0: going to be in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. In your your worksheet that I gave you is through verse number 25. I really don't believe we're going to get that whole worksheet tonight. I'll just tell you up front, I don't think that we're going to make it all the way through, uh, but we'll get as much as we can. Uh, But tonight we're going to be looking at the thought of the details of the finished creation. The details of the finished creation. So chapter 1 the lord gives us a summary or an over a glimpse at uh, the creation, how he did it, you know, and he steps us through it day one, day two, day three, day four, all the way through and gives us a a outline of how the creation took place and then of course the last verse of chapter one, the first couple verses of chapter two, he talks about the completion of creation, this is what happened, it was done. Then in verse number four of chapter number two, he starts a recap. Of what took place. And in this recap, he gives us some details about creation that he didn't cover in chapter number one. And so we want to take a little bit of time and look at some of these details of creation that the Lord brings out here in uh, verse number four down through the end of the chapter. As we look at this, the first thing that we see uh, when we look at this, and, and because of the length of the passage, we're just going to dive right in. and the verses as we get to them, but the first thing that we see in verse 4 down through verse number 6 is the establishment of the ecosystem. The establishment of the ecosystem. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Now in chapter number 1, when the Lord was talking about creation, He did not cover this element that He had put in place. And boy, I tell you what, these details of the finished creation again confirm that the creation had to be the result of an intelligent creator. There is no way that all these details could come to pass on uh, accident. We see three things in these three verses uh, that God put a system in place where plants, animals, and other organisms as well as the weather and the landscape would all work together to create a balance, uh, a life-sustaining balance, uh, uh, an environment where life could thrive. We see that this system was composed of three parts. The first thing we see in verse number 4 that composed this ecosystem is the solar system. The first part of this ecosystem is the solar system. Uh, we see this in verse number 4. The creation of the heavens and earth, the planets, the stars, uh, the moon, the rotation of the earth. Uh, God set the solar system up in such a way uh, that it would control of what went on here uh, on the earth. Uh, I love to go uh, fishing, the the surf fishing, and whenever you're surf fishing, uh, one very important thing to understand is the tide. Fish bite better when the tide is in. And so you want to know when the tide's going to be in, and sometimes uh, the tide is in at like six in the morning and six in the evening. Those are ideal times. Sometimes the tide is in at like noon and midnight. Those are bad times to vacation because you're out there either you're skipping good fishing or you're out there at midnight fishing. One or the other, you know. And so, but you got to know when the tides are coming in. And how do we know when the tides are coming in? According to the moon phases and the moon, you uh, know, detects the. Ticks, uh, the um, let lets us know when the tide is going to come in, and so uh, we can watch how the solar system controls many, many aspects of the earth. And so when God set the solar system up, uh, indeed he put it out there for beauty and for us to see and observe, but it also has many other things, and one of those is controlling things here on earth. Not only do we have the moon face controlling the tides, we have the sun. Uh, that gives the sunlight that can, allows things to grow, and um, I, I got the funniest thing going on at my house. So where I live is kind of in a hole. There's we got a little a little strip that goes down through the woods that's about a hundred feet wide. You take an aerial picture, it don't look like there's a strip there. So there's not a lot of sunlight comes to Homer Lane. Well. I uh, talked to my neighbor. She had a a piece of land uh, that she was having trouble keeping mowed, and I'm like, how about we make a deal? I'll fence it and take care of it, and I'll let my animals pasture on it and so forth and so on, and she agreed this would work out. I put the fence up, put my animals on it. They did great last uh, last summer, you know, grazing on her pasture. Well, this year I thought, well, I'm going to be smart about this, and I'm going to cut this pasture down to about a third while they're eating hay, And that way this spring that pasture can grow up again and I'll get some grass in there and once it's good and established, I'll let the animals back out in it. But apparently we're not getting any sunshine on the pasture because here's the pasture, here's my fence, and here's where her yard starts. Her yard's this tall. And the pasture, there ain't a thing growing. I mean, it is flat as a board. It don't look like there's any grass in there. Well, I mean, it's green, but there's no, nothing happening. And I'm like, we got to get some sunshine in here. I was telling Melissa, I'm like, I'm going to have to cut some trees or something. We got to get some sunshine in here so this can grow. But when God established the solar system, he established the sun and the the, the, the day and the night and all these things to help control uh, this ecosystem with precision and detail uh, for the sustenance of the earth and its inhabitants. But the second component of this ecosystem is found in verse number 5 where we see a mature creation. A mature creation. Now we talked about this mature creation a little bit in chapter number 1 but verse number 5 gives us definite proof that when God created the earth he created an environment that consisted of fully developed plants and animals. You say, well, well, why is this important about the mature creation? Well, if you follow evolution's reasoning, the earth could not sustain itself because everything was in different stages of development, so the earth would have never been able to sustain itself. We understand that plants uh, uh, help keep the air pure and and keep the air uh, cleaned up and take care of the bad air and produce oxygen and all these things. If these plants were not mature from the beginning, the earth would have not been able to exist. But evolutionists somehow say that it did, but there's no way that it could happen. We know that when God created the earth, it had to be a mature creation. But you say, well, where is there a verse that proves that? Well, verse number 5 gives us that proof. In Genesis 2 and in verse number 5, it says... Well, let's go back up in verse number four just a little bit. It says, In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, you see there's a comma there, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. What do we see here? We see that the plants and the herbs and the trees uh, were planted fully grown. Whenever we read that phrase, in the day that they were created before they were in the earth or before they were grew that is speaking of these plants were established the day God created they were established they weren't established as a seed in the earth that had to grow they were established as full-grown plants in the day that he created them. So we see here that another part of this ecosystem that God put in place, he put the solar system in place, but he also put mature plants in place that would create a healthy environment and a healthy atmosphere for everything living on the earth. Now, Not only do we see of uh, the solar system and the mature creation. But in verse number 6, we see that God also established evaporation and condensation. Evaporation and condensation. And the end of verse 5, and the beginning of verse number 6, the Bible says, For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. There was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of of the ground when God created the earth he established a watering system that would nourish and feed all the plants that were covering the face of the earth now we know that when the flood came That this system was replaced with rainfall that we're familiar with, that we've been very familiar with today. Uh, That's what replaced this system was uh, rainfall. Uh, But prior to the flood, there was a mist that came up and watered the earth and ensured that the garden that God had planted would grow and flourish. If this description of the ecosystem does nothing else for us, it tells me that God doesn't do anything halfway. Amen. When God does something, he does it all the way. He is thorough in everything he does. Nothing is left undone, and every possibility is covered. Uh, Brother Jeremy and I were uh, looking today at the cameras we're looking to get, the security cameras we're looking to get, uh, and we were looking at the best place to position them on the building to get the most coverage. And I told Brother Jeremy, I said, we're just not going to cover every nook and cranny. I mean, there's just, uh, we just don't have enough enough cameras to cover Every moot and cranny you know. So we were looking at making sure that we were getting most of the parking lot and all of the entrances, but there were a lot of spots, you know, little corners and stuff that uh, you wouldn't be able to see, and of course, not sure why anybody would want to hang out there anyway, but you know, you couldn't cover every angle. And there's many things that men do that after they've done it and they begin to put it into use, all these areas come up that they're like, "Oh, I didn't think of that, and I never expected that to happen. I didn't, I didn't perceive that that would be a problem." This morning, I was taking Kaylee to work. Uh, she works at Miller's Bakery there in Storage Draft, and so we left the house about six thirty this morning. was headed to Storage Draft, and I was coming up six oh eight, and it was wasn't quite daylight yet. And I said, "What in the world is in the road up there?" What, what do I see? And slow down, slow down. And here it four half-grown pigs running around in the road. And uh, so I got out of my truck and decided I was going to shoot them out of the road. Well, no, they thought I had feed, and so they just followed me everywhere I went. I couldn't shoo them out of the road. But eventually, we found who they belonged to, and we ended up, she was 45 minutes late to work this morning. She texted her boss and said, Dad's chasing pigs. I'll be there when I get there. Uh, but uh, finally, we got them, you know, found out who they belonged to, and we got them put back in the pen. But what had happened was they had built a little shelter for the pigs and the wind had blown the shelter over and it had hit the electric fence and pushed the electric fence to the ground. And so we got the pigs in and we took some stakes and staked it so it wouldn't blow anymore. But here's the thing. When they built the little shed, it looked great. They didn't think about the fact that the wind might blow it over. You see, whenever man does something, there's constantly things we don't think about until we put it into use. But when God created the earth, he covered everything. Before he pushed go, before he hit the start button, every possibility was 100% taken care of. And I know that I've hammered and hammered on evolution while we've been looking at this, but once again, there is no way that this perfect creation could have happened by chance. There is no way that everything could have been covered so thoroughly by chance. Everything we look at says, this is the work of an almighty God. It is the intelligent design of a creator, evident in every detail of the creation. In addition to the establishment of the ecosystem, in verse 7 through 14, we see the establishment of man. So first thing we see in chapter 2 is the establishment of the ecosystem. Now we see the establishment of man. In verse number 7, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, and the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of the good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison. That is it which compasses the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. There's Bedelium and Onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon. The same is that that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the third, name of the third river is Hadekel. That is it which goeth towards the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. And so... There's two things uh, that actually, uh, a couple of things with some subpoints that I'd like to point out to you about the establishment of man. The first thing we see concerning the establishment of man is very simply his creation, the creation of man. Now I know that in chapter number one, we look uh, at a good bit at the creation of man, uh, but just a couple more things that I want to point out. In verse number seven, and the Lord God formed man uh, of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Now, here in this verse, I see four things about the creation of man. And these are not in your notes, so if you want to jot these down over on the side. Four things about the creation of man that we see in verse number 7. First of all, we see his designer. We see his designer. It says, and the Lord God formed man the bible here declares that man's body was a distinct and separate creation of god the word formed there is the same as that which we would use to describe a potter shaping the clay into a pot or something like that they form the clay they take their hands and with their hands they bring about that shape that is the same word formed that is used here and this implies that god was directly involved in shaping and fashioning man's physical frame. God was directly involved in doing that. Throughout the creation account, everything is described to be direct act of God. Uh, from, From day one all the way through, everything that was done is a direct act of God. Everything was spoken into existence by the power of God. But man was carefully molded by the hand of God. We need never forget when dealing with ourselves or dealing with others that man is fearfully and wonderfully made. The crown of God's creation, designed by God. Be careful. Be careful when you speak ill of someone else because the features or characteristics, or personalities. They were designed by the hand of God, fearfully and wonderfully made. So not only do we see his design, but also in verse 7, I see his components. What makes man up? It says there in verse 7 of the dust of the ground. You may remember a poem you used to say when you were a little kid. What are little boys made of? Snakes and snails and puppy dog tails. What little girls made of? Sugar and spice and everything nice, you know. That's, that's how we broke it down. But honestly, that's not what we're made out of. And if you ever raised little boys and little girls, you'll find out they're all made out of snakes and snails. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's what we used to say. But the components of man the physical body of man was made from the elements of the earth now i don't know if this excites you at all maybe you just take it for granted but it does me in the elements of the earth in the dust of the earth there's all kinds of things that exist there if you break it down chemically you'll find hydrogen oxygen uh, you'll find carbon you'll find all sorts of chemicals in the dust of the earth i can't do anything with them but they exist there god took the dust of the earth and god was able to separate or combine the elements of the earth to fashion a man. Yeah. I mean, it just amazes me that God was able to take something that to us is refuse, and He takes and gets the elements out of it and fashions a man. He was able uh, to to put together a divinely Design perfect human body from the dust of the earth. I want to read what John Phillips has to say here. Every now and again, uh, one of these commentators will say something. I'm like, well, wow, I just got to read this. So uh, follow along with me. John Phillips is wanting to make a point about the the significance of what God did in creating a man. He said, suppose we were going to make a human body. We would need 58 pounds of oxygen and 50 quarts of water two ounces of salt, three pounds of calcium, 24 pounds of carbon, and some chlorine, phosphorus, fat, iron, sulfur, and glycerin. We bring the items home. So much dust and some water. There it is, our do-it-yourself kit for making a human body. The only problem is with the instructions. The human body is so complex that no scientist can comprehend more than a fraction of its composition and functions. A mere piece of skin the size of a postage stamp requires three million cells, a yard of blood vessels, four yards of nerves, 100 sweat glands, 15 oil glands, and 25 nerve endings. Yet the evolutionist would ask us to believe that the blind forces of chance produced our bodies. It would be simpler to believe that the Webster's Unabridged Dictionary resulted from an explosion in a printing plant. (laughs) Uh, The Bible gives (laughs) us a much better explanation. It says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. With omniscient genius... God took that dust, that water, those odds and ends of things and formed and fashioned them into a man. The human body, marvelous and intricate as it is, eloquently testifies to the wisdom and power of God. The evolutionist prays upon our dullibility, but the Bible leads us to worship. Oh, go. boy, that's just tremendous. Yeah. Actually, whenever I read stuff like this, I'm like, why can't I write stuff like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm supposed to be gifted too, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I tell you The human body, it's composition. But then the third thing that I want to point out about the creation of man, uh, there in verse number 7 is his source of life, his source of life. It said in verse number 7, And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God personally breathed into man the breath of life. God gave to man his first breath, and God holds our breath in his hand. God controls the breath of man. Every moment that a man lives is dependent upon the life-giving breath of God. We depend on God every breath we touch. We take it for granted. Yes, amen. We really give it no thought until for some reason we're out of breath or we're having trouble breathing. Otherwise, we really don't think of it, but every breath is in the hand of God. Yeah. God gave to man the breath of life. Yeah. Giving man that breath of life, man became, the Bible says, a living soul. Man became the only part of creation. That was designed to interact with his creator. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Why did God give to man the ability to interact with his creator and give to man the breath of life? Because let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Man was created. To glorify God. That's why He created us. It's why He gave us the ability to interact with Him. It's why He put within us the breath of life. We have been created to glorify God. Then there's one more thing that we'll look at here this evening very quickly. Not only do we see the source of life, but also... I think Did I say there were three things or four things? Four. Okay, the fourth one right here. The fourth one is... The creation of his companion. The creation of his companion. Now, the first three we've seen in verse number seven. This fourth thing concerning the creation of man, we find in verse 21 down through verse number 23. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. We see the creation of man's companion. There's so much that we could look at here, but I just want to point a couple of things out to you. The first thing is, uh, some folks have made this Comparison, Boy, I think it's a great comparison. At this point in creation, pain did not exist. Many times we say that they put Adam to sleep because they was getting, the Lord was getting ready to do an operation on him. But at this point in creation, pain did not exist. Uh, there was no need for anesthesia uh, because pain didn't exist. So Adam wasn't put to sleep because of the pain. Why was Adam put to sleep? Many folks believe. That Adam was put to sleep as a picture of the fact that one day the second Adam would die for his bride. This Adam was put to sleep yeah. for the creation of his bride, and the second Adam one day died for the creation of the church yeah. and for his bride. Boy, I tell you what, there's a beautiful picture that can be seen there. There's really no uh, other Bible verses that back that and say that that's uh, good. And so I'm careful to state that as fact, but there is a picture that you can see there, uh, that there is a type of, of Adam sleeping to receive a bride and Christ dying to receive a bride. Is right. Another point that I want to look at here about Adam's companion, again, throwing another rock at evolution. If evolution is true, then men and women are not distinctly different. If evolution is true, we all evolved the same way, from the same place. But in the story of creation, we find out that men and women are distinctly different man was made of the dust of the earth woman was made from the rib of a man man was formed from the components of the earth woman was taken from the rib of man and fashioned specifically to unite with man now several weeks ago I told y'all this and I'll tell you again even though it hurts me but it's just so good when the Lord looked at Adam He said, it is not good. Of course, he went on to say, it is not good that man should be alone. But he said, it is not good. Then he created woman and he said, it is very good. (laughs) You know what, fellas? If we're going to be honest, if we're going to be honest, when God created man, he created a perfect being. Man is a perfect being created perfectly for the job that God wanted man to fulfill. But when God created man, he created an incomplete being. Perfectly created, no flaw in the creation, but with a spot missing. And then God created a perfect companion to fill that spot. So that together, both a man and a woman would be 100% complete. God created male and female distinctly different so that they could be united and as one could be a much stronger force than they would ever be alone. Those who want to... and, And I know that the Bible refers to the lady as the weaker vessel... And maybe sometime when we have time, we'll get into what that actually means. But those men who want to indicate that that means that they are superior and the woman is insignificant, completely misinterpret that scripture. Both creations are 100% perfect creation. Put together, put together, they're unstoppable. God designed them to fit together. Society nowadays is trying to destroy what God created. Two men together will never be what a man and a woman together can be. Two women together can never be what a man and a woman together can be. God created man and woman distinctly different so that they could be joined together, so that they could go forward for the glory of God. Male and female. He created them distinctly, distinctly different. God created a perfect companion. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Uh, Next week we'll continue. We'll look at the garden that God created and then we'll dive into the establishment of the duty of man and what God has uh, in place for the duty of man and uh, the establishment of marriage and why God established it. And there's so much there's no way that I can even get close to finishing it tonight. Uh, So we'll look at that next week. And let's pray, and then we'll get right into the business meeting. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, as we look at your creation, Lord, over and over and over and over again, Lord, we see how the creation declares the glory of God, how it proclaims that, Lord, you are an intelligent creator. And, Father, I thank you for it. I pray, dear Lord, that you will bless now as we go into our business meeting. And, Father, Lord, as we consider these things, I pray, dear Lord, that your will, be done. And Father, we'll thank you for it. Bless us now, I pray, throughout this evening. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Amen.